has been over a month since the last podcast has come out, but for good reason. There was a lot of travel that took place. David and Nicole are now back, and over the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about several different places they went, such as Nashville, Aruba, Bonaire, Barbados, St. Vincent, Grenadines, Disney, and locally, San Antonio, Texas. But for a very special treat to intro 2024, we've thought we've talked to you guys a lot about the different places that we've gone, that David and Nicole have gone, but let's hear a little bit about their story. So we're going to rewind back to the year 2016 and hear the story of David and Nicole and their marriage. So we're going to jump into it a little bit um, and talk about the fact that we were both uh, coming off of a couple of difficult marriage slash divorces and um, we're discovering our relationship slowly, very slowly. Uh, my children didn't know anything about Nicole. Her children didn't know anything about me. Um, we were both in the process of kind of rebuilding our lives uh, almost from scratch. Uh, we were both going through our own difficult times, but we were we really connected. Um, and, you know, we were both curious to see where it would go. At the time, we lived 150 miles apart. I was a sitting judge in my hometown. Nicole had a great job where everybody depended on her in her hometown. And it was very unlikely that things would change. Um, but our relationship progressed in spite of all the other uh, factors and uh, circumstances. And we even got so bold as to uh, she introduced me to her, uh, her brother, the relative she was closest to at the time, and his wife. And we spent some time together in uh, September of 16, I'm sorry, 15. And um, it was a very difficult time in my life. And uh, if you're on the internet and you Google me, you'll know why. So anyways, uh, her brother and his wife uh, spent some time with Nicole and her son, the younger son, uh, at their home. And then they went back to Massachusetts and Nicole went back to her life and I went back to mine and we were just going to see how things played out. Yeah, so my son, um, he was nine. My youngest son was nine when we uh, when I divorced. So I'd been a single mom a couple of years. He was eleven, and um, like I said, my brother and sister in law had just been there. Um, we didn't introduce him to David yet. It wasn't quite time. We were trying to figure the logistics of that out with us being so far apart, um, but. Um, he had had strep throat before my brother and sister-in-law came and he had taken antibiotics for that and he'd gotten over it. Uh, but then like three, two or three days after they left, um, I got a call from the school that, uh, he was having trouble with his asthma. So I went home to get his inhaler to take to the school. And, um, when I was on the way to the school from the house, they gave me a call and said he'd actually started running fever and throwing up. So I went ahead and called his uh, pediatrician's office, got in an appointment. I couldn't get in with his pediatrician, but there was a, uh, a you know, a temporary that was there that I could get in to see. So I picked him up. I took him to the... Uh, Scott and White Clinic in College Station because we lived, it was about 40 miles from uh, our hometown to the uh, 
clinic. Um, and thankfully there was a doctor there who was very observant. She noticed a rash and, uh, you know, we get rash with strep throat and strep throat often comes back after antibiotics. It's just one of those resistant strains. Um, but she wanted to run some more blood work. So she ran blood work. First time he'd ever had any, um, blood drawn even. And, um, and I'm sure he was a real big sport about that. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, so they, they went out and they came back in and they pulled me out and, uh, they told me they suspected leukemia. Hmm. That's rough. So, uh, they said I needed to drive to the hospital in Temple, which was about 120 miles from there. Um, I had come from court, so I was in court clothes, you know, heels, you know, blazer, skirt. I asked if I could go home, which was the opposite direction, and they said, no, I did not have time for that. I needed to drive directly to the hospital. Um, so drove to the hospital, got calls. You know, I called my ex, let him know, you know, the, my son's dad and, uh, and my boss called during that time. I let him know. Um, and I called David and I talked, I told him briefly. Um, and then he tried to call me during my drive and I was, I cannot take the call. Um, I said, I can't talk to you right now. I've got him sitting beside, I had my son sitting beside me and he didn't know and I'm just trying to keep it together to drive. The he didn't know about the leukemia. He didn't know about the leukemia. Oh, okay. He just knew we had to go to the hospital. Um, so I, I told David I couldn't talk to him because I knew I'd lose it if I did. So um, he asked me, "What can I do?" Um, I said, "You don't have to do anything. I've got to do this. You know, you're we we're just going to put this on hold and uh, till I get." Till I figure out what's going on, and he said that's not how love works. Now remind me, how long had y'all been together at this point? Um, informally, several months. Yeah. Really, um, we felt a very deep connection, you know, early on. We had been friends for a while. But yeah, gotcha. he was. Uh, it was. It, it was difficult. He said that's not how love works. You're going to need some help, and um, and so. He said, is there anything I can do for you? And I said, I need you to call my brother and let him know. So Yeah, this dude I just met. Yeah, <laughs> just met him. Uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't take telling anybody else. I, was, I, I just needed to get to the hospital and figure out what the next steps were. And I had asked her if she wanted me to come up to Temple. So Temple would be about 80-plus miles away from where I was at the time. A straight shot on an interstate. And... Her son didn't know anything about me at the time. He, she had been to social events, and you know she was now a single mom. And uh, guys would make uh, inquiries and things of that nature. And her son was very protective. He loved his time alone with his mom and didn't want a guy around. So we figured we'd really slow roll with him. So not only did he not know about the leukemia, he also really wasn't aware of you yet. Well, he wasn't aware of me at all, right? And so then he didn't know about the leukemia. And so at some point, I said to her, I said, if you want me there, I'm there. And she said, well, Luke doesn't even know about you at this point. But so at some point, she had a conversation with him. And she said, listen, this is serious. And I need help. And I, I, I need David's help. Is it okay if he comes up here? And he said, yes. So I jumped in the car and 
thankfully the trooper didn't give me the ticket for the speed I was <laughs> driving when he pulled me over and when I told him the story and I got up there. So that night, Wednesday night, I met Luke for the first time and he was in the hospital getting ready for his biopsy for the leukemia. Yeah, he had biopsy the, the next morning. He had a bone marrow biopsy and they immediately did uh, chemotherapy into his uh, spinal column that, that very next morning. I mean, it was within hours of diagnosis and they're starting treatment. And um, the oncologist actually said that he um, he's never been able to go quite so quickly, but I was very, okay, what's the next step? I, I didn't need, he said most parents need time to process, and I was all about let's let's get this going. And that's me, like let's get it going, let's not. You know, yeah, that, I think I think the moment that the doctor said don't don't go home and change, knowing you, Nicole, you're like, okay, well, I've got this drive, and that's what I need to do, right? Is get there. Well, there's also the factor that her older child had uh, uh, developed normally, had ten, twelve, thirteen good years, then came down with something that ended up turning into spina bifida, and it was also life threatening and very serious. And Nicole was the primary caretaker over that issue too, so she'd already been down the road where. She knew that medical decisions needed to be made, and you need to think, yeah. learn, investigate, process, and go. So fortunately, that prior experience probably helped her be a little bit more prepared for what she had to deal with now. Um, so, But that started a long road. of um, We ended up being in the hospital there uh, for five months, almost uh, without any stop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We had like five days around Thanksgiving that we got to go home and then a few days right after uh, Christmas. Now, when you we say we, leave. Luke That's also? Okay. Yes, Luke and I got to leave. Um, I was, I didn't leave leave while he was there. Um, I moved into the Ronald McDonald house and I was living there. I had friends go to my house and bring me everything that I needed. Um, thankfully, I had a really great community uh, there in Madisonville that they rallied around us. They, I don't know how I could have done it without all the friends that I had there, um, in that small town. Um, but, and then I was also, I insisted on continuing to work. Uh, so I was working 20 hours a week remotely. This was in 2015, 2016. So this is before the pandemic where remote work was common, uh, but I had a laptop where I could remote in. I had the investigator bring it to me so that I could remote in and work from the hospital. And I did that 20 hours a week and gave me a, a little bit of break. But when I have to go to court, uh, David would come and stay with Luke. So he would come and stay with Luke at the hospital and um, allow me to go back to Madisonville and get, take care of what I needed to take care of and then come back. So they had developed their own relationship during that time. Another thing that Nicole had going on, too, is once she was divorced, um, one of her biggest regrets in her life was not getting her education, post-high school education. So she decided that she was going to start on a path to, she was going to get her associate's degree, get a bachelor's degree, and then get her law degree. And everyone who knew her in her profession supported her. Tons of people were behind this idea. And so she is now a single mom working in a small town, making barely enough to get by, starving herself so that her son could eat. Full-time job, single mom, and her 
her custody was a 10 day on four day off situation. And on top of all that, she started going back to school to get her uh, associate's degree. So in the fall of 2015, she was going to graduate and we, I had been counseling her. I'd been through all this, you know, I went to college and on day one of college, I knew that seven years later I was going to finish law school. So what am I wasting? How can I maximize my time in college without wasting it? So I had been counseling and advising her, and when she told me what was going on, one of the first things that she knee-jerked was, well, that's it, I'm just going to drop out of school. And she was, two, she was two classes away from graduating, although she was taking four. She had a 4.0, which she was you know, very proud of. And she said, I'm going to drop out, I'm going to quit. I was like, now hold on, hold on, hold on. One of your professors is a judge, like me. Another professor is a lawyer who knows... Like, talk to them. See if there's some flexibility. Don't you have two classes you're taking that you don't need? Well, yeah. All right, drop those classes. Talk to those professors before you make a knee-jerk reaction. And sure enough, within a week, both professors said that they would modify things. They would record their lectures and put them on the Internet. They would... Um, you know, send her assignments that she, that at this point they, she'd proven herself with her grades and her past history. And they're like, we know you're going to do what you got to do. And, uh, you know, as a footnote in December, while Luke was still dealing with the cancer, she did graduate with her associate's degree and a 4.0. Her brother, who I had to tell about the cancer, flew down from Massachusetts for graduation. At this point, we had sprinkled her into, we had sprinkled each other into our lives a little bit. My dad had gotten to know her and fell in love with her too. And he was at the graduation. My best friend, Bibi, came in from uh, out of town to be at the graduation. And then one of my, um, one, one of my support staff came up to Temple to babysit Luke that night um, so that we could all go down to Brian and at least have Nicole enjoy, you know, one night of the graduation, which... Um, it was the end of her educational career, unfortunately, but it was still stellar. Um, and so now we're in December at this point. I still haven't informed my kids of what's going on. I just feel like this is, it's one thing to say, Hey, guess what? Dad's seeing someone and she has kids and get used to this. I was not a big blended family person. I was, it was, I had many reasons why I just thought we just get through all our kids graduating high school and be together when it was all over. Um, and, th but then on top of all that to dump the, whole, oh, and by the way, the girl I'm dating, her youngest son has cancer and it's pretty serious, but Hey, hey Merry Christmas. That's a lot of heavy stuff, right? Yeah. Um, so, and I didn't know how my kids would take things. And so, but we made it to Christmas and, um, we thought it was going to be Luke's final round of chemo and he was still so far so good. So we thought it was coming out. Uh, and so Nicole thought, well, maybe we need to start talking to your kids about, because, um, the night, you know, because Luke had, you know, met me and let me in. So my, me and my kids drove up to Dallas to see my family for Christmas after Christmas Day. And on the way up, as we were driving through Temple, and I thought, well, now's a good time. My son, I thought, was asleep in the back seat, and my daughter was in the front seat. She said, so, hey, guys, I want to talk to you. There's been a few times the last couple of months that you've wanted access to me for one reason or another, and I wasn't available. I I need to tell you, I'm I'm actually seeing somebody, and they're like, okay, and then they're like, you okay with that? Like, yeah, if you're happy, that's fine. I was like, well, there's something you need to know. She has a son, and he's uh, 11 years old, and right now he's got cancer, and he's in the hospital, and they're dealing with that. I'm like, oh, that's terrible. I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's like, so I'm telling you all this because on our way home from Dallas in a couple of days, we're going to pass through, and he's in the hospital on the highway here and um you know i was wondering if you want to meet them and my daughter's like well whatever you know everybody wants and uh sometime later on my son woke up and i said hey 
So listen, I need to talk to you about something. It was, yes, and yes, I want to meet them. And, <laughs> and I was like, you little. And uh, so on the way back from Dallas, before New Year's Eve in 15, we stopped in uh, Temple, and we brought him into the hospital, and we brought him up, and that's where they met Luke. And he was in bed, and he was sick, and it was not good. Um, they were very nice and cordial to Nicole and let me know that if I was happy, they were happy for me, and that was that. Um, and then we had a really interesting experience. The uh, director of marketing for Baylor Scott and White had fallen in love with Luke and found out that Luke was a big Star Wars fan. And this was the year that the Force Awakens, Force Awakens movie was coming out. And he somehow made arrangements where after Luke's fourth chemo or third, third or fourth chemo event, Luke was supposed to leave the hospital. Third, <clears throat> third, third. chemo event. And he made arrangements for a local movie theater that opened up early in the morning for a special showing of the movie for just Luke. And oh, my wow. kids were invited, and me and Nicole. And so the six of us, five of us, got treated like uh, paparazzi. Like, uh, they had nurses come in and uh, sterilize because the he couldn't theater. be around right. other right. people because his uh, minimal... immunity was so low. But they had minimal staff, and they made snacks, and everything was available to us, and Unfortunately, Luke probably missed most of the movie in a sick air sickness bag, and I think I missed half the movie in the bathroom. And um, they were featured on the front page of the local newspaper, Luke and my son. Mm -hmm. So that was a little twist. We were trying to play things, downplay things and keep it quiet, and they're on the front page of the newspaper. Uh, so you go into January of 2016, and he goes in for what we think is the last chemo round. Now, he'd been released from the hospital twice, so we thought we were all in the clear. So he gets his last dosages of chemo, and they do the testing, and he's cancer-free. And four, four doses, four treatments, I mean, four, and we think we're good. Um, but then he did not uh, start to get um, improved. He didn't bounce back. He didn't bounce back of, like he had um, previously. He's, he was having trouble breathing. Um, it, there was something clearly wrong. And thankfully, a nurse uh, sent him. They they pushed for him to go to the ICU, and uh, it turns out he had uh, severe heart damage from the chem the high dose chemotherapy that they had to give him because he had a uh, he had the more severe vor version of leukemia, acute myeloid leukemia. Um, the one you hear mostly about that kids have is acute uh, lymphatic leukemia, and that's. Um, the doses for chemo is a lot lower than what they have to do for AML. Um, AML has a much lower um, survival rate. So so he went into heart failure. They were trying to do everything they could. Um, they were talking to doctors at uh, cardiologists at Texas Children's, and they decided they just needed to get him to Texas Children's where they had the staff to deal with it. Um, so then they life-lighted him in a jet. Um, to Texas Children's in Houston. So they did that on a Friday, and Nicole didn't even know until the night before, and even the night before she wasn't sure. At this point in time, basically everything she owned had been moved into the Ronald McDonald House in Temple. Uh, colleagues of mine from the Attorney General's office where I had used to work, who had worked with her in several capacities, had reached out to me because they knew that I was connected to her and asked if she would be interested in pursuing a new job at the Attorney General's office in Austin in a new unit which in all things considered, she was very happy to do, but now she's applying for that job. We're agreeing that we're going to be living in central Texas. And we started the process of buying a house. 
And then she calls me on a Thursday night and she says, tomorrow, if Luke's not doing any better in the morning, they're going to put us on a plane and fly us to Houston, check us into Texas Children's Hospital. So I had to drive. I went up to Temple. I loaded one car up full of everything I could. I drove it down to Houston. My brother had a house. I dropped everything off. Saturday morning, we drove back up, got everything else, got the other car, my car, her car, put it all back to Houston on Saturday. And then on Sunday morning, the doctors um, gave Nicole some news. Uh, so it was February 12th, he was lifelighted. And then February 14th, Valentine's Day, um, the cardiologist said they couldn't do anything else and they he was not going to make it. Um, he had days, maybe a few weeks to live and he was going to be gone. Uh, they had him on fluid restriction. So he was miserable because he could only have eight ounces to drink a day and he mm. was so thirsty. Um, he actually would complain that his legs hurt so that he could get an ice pack so he could sneak the, mm. the melted ice to just have something to drink. Um, so when they told me that, I was like, that's so what's it. The, what's the point of the reduced... His, uh, was he on his, IVs, I'm assuming, though, right? His heart okay. was in failure, and it was not removing the fluid from his body. Gotcha. It, it was effect, his heart was effectively drowning in its body. <clears throat> right. So, they so essentially, to, the blood, the water wasn't getting into the blood and wasn't getting... Yeah, it was all just they staying had to, in the heart. It they, couldn't get the fluid out of his body. Gotcha. Fast enough. Because that's what your heart does, is gotcha. help remove the fluid. The so they didn't want fluid. any more fluid going into his body, which is miserable. So they had to dehydrate him. Right. Um... So I was like, that's it. If he's going to die, we're not, we're not torturing him anymore. I, I want to know what he wants, and I'm giving him what he wants. Um, so I went in thinking he was going to say that he wants Gatorade or chicken nuggets because he was also on sodium restriction. So the food that he could have was terrible. And he was very, very picky eater, so he wouldn't eat any of the food. So then the doctor started giving him liquid Sup, uh, yeah. food. Yeah. And he's like, all right, that's fine. I'll... I'd rather have that than the hospital food. Right. So, um, so I went in and I asked, "What do you want?" And uh, he did not say Gatorade or chicken nuggets. He said uh, he wanted David and I to get married in his ICU room where he could see. On so Valentine's Day, he, he told us on, on Valentine's. He told us on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yes. Um, he said number six thousand not yeah. to enjoy it. <laughs> right. So he. Uh, we, I went back and I told David, you don't have to do this. This is what he asked. You don't have to do it. He said, no, no, this is what we have to do. Um, so we had to go through the process of getting a... Uh, but I was practical. So it was President's Day weekend. So this is Sunday. And I know that on Monday, everything's closed. Plus, it was leap year. And so I immediately thought, well, what if we get married on the 29th? And then after he dies, we'll never have to celebrate it. And Nicole, being <laughs> smart, said, oh, that's a good idea. So she goes back and she says, what if we do it in two weeks? And he says, no, I don't think I have that time. Which we didn't even really weren't aware that he was aware of how bad things were. Right. So she came out and she said, no. He said, no. And I said, well, listen, I, we have to get a marriage license. We have to either get a 72-hour waiver so that we can get married the next day, or we have to wait 72 hours. I said, I don't think we can do this any earlier than next Saturday. Then there's a couple of catches. One, my dad had already said that if me and her ever got married, he was going to be there. I don't know how that's going to happen. Two, we're in the ICU unit of a children's hospital. There's a restriction on the number of people in the room. And how are you going to do this? First of all, we need an efficient. Where am I going to find an efficient? Um, three was the biggest issue, which was I said, listen, you know, I just came out of my own bad marriage. You've been through yours. I didn't want my children to have a stepmother 
for my own reasons, if, um, I need to tell my kids and I need to give them the opportunity to say no. So she said, I completely understand, but it's Sunday and Monday's a holiday. So on Tuesday, I go back to central Texas, do my job, meet with my kids, tell them what's going on. I said, so how do you guys feel about this? And my son said, um, I want whatever my stepbrother wants. I said, okay, drama boy. <laughs> and I turned to my daughter, who's much more um, quiet and discreet with her feelings and things of that nature. She was a senior in high school. She'd already let me know she wasn't thrilled about a divorce happening as she's finishing high school. And she, I said, she said, um, whatever's going to make everyone happy is fine with me. And I said, okay, well, and then, you know, being caring, I said, well, do you guys want to be there? And my daughter goes, uh, do you want to be at my graduation? I said, well, yeah. She goes, there's your answer. I said, well, okay, I think we're looking at doing it Saturday morning in Houston. Are you okay driving to Houston? She says, yeah. And she turns to my son. She goes, and you will get up when I tell you to get up. <laughs> so um, we scrambled around. We got a marriage license in Harris County. We got a marriage certificate in Hayes County. We got a judge to sign a waiver that we could get married sooner than 72 hours if we needed it. We had a notary to come into the hospital room to do my... Uh uh, application application for the marriage license because I wasn't leaving the hospital right. to go. Well, yeah, not knowing when his last no. moment would be. I, I, no, yeah. so I'm not leaving. So that was another. So we had to get an affidavit. Then I reached out to a judge there. I knew in Houston to see if he might be interested in doing it. And he said he would have loved to, but he had an, another engagement. But he found a judge for us who showed up Saturday morning with her robe. Uh, my dad drove down from Dallas on Friday, stayed with my brother, showed up Saturday morning. My kids showed up on time and dressed up. And we told them there was no planning for this wedding. But my son had kind of started to bond with Nicole pretty quickly, too. And she said, you know, y'all don't expect anything from us. My son told her that, um, oh, no, I'm getting dressed up for this event and you're going to get dressed up, too. So... Nicole wound up putting on a sweater dress. It was February after all. My son was wearing a button-down shirt with pants and a belt. Looked nice, groomed, well-groomed. He was an ROTC and the crew cut. Everybody looked good. The judge performed the ceremony. She threw a curveball at us. She showed up and asked for a few minutes alone with Luke. We thought she was trying to talk him out of this idea, which we were all in favor of at the time. But then she came out and summoned us back to the room. And so... Uh, she said, all right, we're ready to begin with the ceremony. And we had told her, you know, look, kid's dying. We're not prepared. We didn't want to get married. There's no ring. There's no anything. So she starts with the ceremony, and she came to the part early on where she says, so who gives this woman to marry this man? And Luke pulls his oxygen mask off his face and says, I do. Puts the oxygen mask back on. So that was, you know, scary step one. And uh, then we got to the near end of the ceremony, and she said, so I know you told me there aren't any rings, and you caught you by surprise, but the ring is an essential element of every marriage ceremony. It symbolizes that there is no beginning and an end, and it's the joinder of the couple and this, that. So um, can I please have the rings? And Luke presents in his shaky hand a gauze pad with two black surgical rubber bands on them for us as our wedding bands. So we completed our vows, and we got married. And um, she took the infamous wedding picture where it is unmistakable that the kid in the green shirt in the middle is dying. Um, and we, uh, you know, did our best to celebrate that night. It was about midnight when I realized that if I kept the wedding band on any longer, I would lose my ring finger for posterity. And I thought that actually <laughs> was a good idea. But Nicole instead chose for us to take the rings off, the wedding bands off. And... Um, 
Of course, Luke called us out the next day. Where's your wedding bands? We're like, Luke, it's either we're married or we don't have this finger. What do you want? Uh, And then we were just counting down the days. Now, real quick, David, I do notice that there is black, I believe, in the wedding band that you're wearing. There is now. Is there significance to that because Mm -hmm. of the... No, we just no. liked it. No, <laughs> okay. No. I didn't know if it was a callback to the black surgical glove. Or it's a good thought. <laughs> but we, you know, we're we're counting down the days um, and whatnot. And you know, there are people who said to us after the fact, and folks have said to this said this to us. Now it's coming up on eight years. You know, well, he, why didn't you just fake it? Well, the son of a bitch walked out of the hospital six weeks later. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> he he was cured of his cancer. His heart rebounded. I mean, he still got damaged today. But if I took you to Madisonville, Texas, and say, find the 20-year-old kid that is in this picture that almost died, he's probably the last kid in Madisonville, Texas, you'd think was on death's door for weeks. Um, Love cures all, dude. He's big. and he, Yeah, he's big, huge. He's not completely healthy, but like he's in better shape than anyone would have thought on February 20th of 2016 he's in much much better shape it was a struggle and it took us a while to realize how long it took him to overcome it but yeah had we faked the marriage we would have had to explain it at some point in time so she got a husband and we got this house that month she got a new job which she started two weeks after he left the hospital and she's still working there today he's graduated high school he's healthy uh everybody we've spent the families are blended, and um, and that is the story of how we wound up getting married against our will. Shotgun marriage by cancer kid. Yep, shotgun marriage full of <laughs> cancer cartridge. Well, and as many of you have probably heard uh, Nicole say over the years is that David never had a choice, and David's kind of alluded to that a few times in this episode. And But here we are eight years later, and they're still kicking. Mm-hmm. Still going strong. Planning forever together, as y'all have heard in previous podcasts. So something must have gone right. But guys, we just wanted to kick off 2024 telling y'all a little bit about David and Nicole because all the podcast so far has been about the travels. And I thought we all thought it was time to kind of get to know the people a little bit. So I think that about wraps it up unless y'all have anything else to add to today. Nope. Nope. Awesome. And we will see you all in the next episode. Thanks, Josh.